0: Section six of the Family Kitchen Gardener. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kalinda. The Family Kitchen Gardener by Robert Buist. Section six Eggplant. Soldnum melongena, melongene French, tolapfel, German. The eggplant was introduced from Africa, and is called by some the guinea squash. It is generally cultivated, and becoming more so every year. They are cut into thin slices and fried, and have a taste very similar to oysters. Others use them in stews and soups. They are fit for the kitchen when they attain the size of a goose egg, AND ARE IN USE TILL THEY BECOME NEARLY RIPE, WHICH IS EASILY KNOWN BY THE SEEDS CHANGING TO A BROWN COLOR. MANY INDIVIDUALS ARE EXCEEDINGLY FOND OF THEM, WHILE OTHERS WILL NOT TASTE THEM IN ANY FORM. THE FOLLOWING VARIETIES ARE CULTIVATED. LARGE PRICKLY-STEMMED PURPLE GROWS LARGER THAN ANY OF THE VARIETIES, AND IS FREQUENTLY SEEN TWO FEET IN CIRCUMFERENCE. SHAPE OVAL COLOR DARK PURPLE smooth-stemmed, so-called because it has no prickles on the stem, does not grow so large as the former, shape, long oval, color, dark shining purple, a few days earlier than the prickly. Long purple is considered by some superior in flavor to either of the former. It is eight to ten days earlier, a very prolific variety, and the best for family use. White eggplant. The name eggplant is taken from this variety, which is, when in a half-grown state, very like a hen's egg in shape, color, and size. Culture There is a great ambition among growers to have this vegetable in early use. I delight to encourage this emulation whenever it is manifested. Competition promotes industry, and industry promotes health. Man possessing these ingredients is very rarely unhappy. Sow the seeds on a gentle hotbed about the first of March, on a rich, light soil. Give a good watering, and keep the frame close for a few days, till the seed comes up. Be careful to give the soil a sprinkling of water whenever it appears to be dry. As soon as the plants grow, give air freely, covering the glass in cold nights. When they attain the height of two inches, thin them out to three inches apart, or transplant them into another bed, where there is plenty of room. The latter is the best method. They can be transplanted out from the first to the fifteenth of May into a warm border of rich ground from whence the early lettuce or radishes have been taken. Give a good watering after being removed. Hoe well. Keep clean. As they grow, draw earth to their stems. They will cut about the end of June or first of July. For a late crop, sow in April on a warm border where they are to remain or transplant in June during moist weather. Plant in rows two feet apart, and two feet from plant to plant. The seed will keep for three or four years. Sow valentine beans between the rows. Endive, Chictrium endivia, chicoree French, endivia, German. The garden endive is a native of northern China, and has been cultivated in europe the past three centuries for a winter salad the french are particularly fond of it using it raw pickled fried and boiled exceedingly wholesome in every form and agreeing with every constitution there are four varieties which we will name in the order we esteem them green curly has beautiful curled or lancinated leaves it is a fine stocky and hearty variety is the principal sort for salads, and when well cultivated, is very beautiful. Broad-leaved has a plain, thick leaf, slightly wrinkled and turning inwards. It is preferred for stews and soups. White-curled is rather a delicate variety, and cannot well be carried through the winter. Its principal use is, therefore, for the early autumn crop. It will blanch in a few days. Batavian is a broad, plain-leaved sort, principally cultivated for cooking, and makes a fine head. Culture. For the early crop, sow about the first of July. It will do on the ground where early cabbage or peas have come off, by giving it a coat of manure. Draw drills the depth of the hoe, one foot apart, and sow therein. Sprinkle a little earth in the bottom of the drill, sufficient to cover the seed, which will be up in a few days. If dry weather ensue, water once or twice till the plants get hold. Thin them out when about two inches high to ten inches apart. Hoe freely and keep clear of weeds. Being grown in these shallow drills, they are more easily earthed up and grow better in warm, dry weather. When the leaves have attained about eight inches long, they are fit for blanching. For this purpose, a dry day must be chosen. Gather up the leaves in your hand in a close and rounded form see that there is no earth or litter in their center, tie them up with a piece of cotton twist or mating times around the plant, causing it to close at the top to prevent the rain from penetrating to and injuring its center. Then draw a little earth round its base for support. If the leaves are not perfectly dry when tied up they will rot, or become so stained as to be unfit for the table. They will take about ten days in warm and twenty days in cool weather to blanch for use. A judgment may thus be formed of the quantity to be tied up at a time. For late crops, sow about the end of July. If the ground is not ready, they may be sown in a bed and transplanted during moist weather, giving a few waterings if the season be dry. To have it in perfection through winter, it should be planted in frames in August and allowed to grow there, or removed from the ground into the frames about the 1st of November, lifting a portion of soil with their roots. Keep them rather dry during winter, as they are liable to damp off. Cover with shutters or sash. Sprinkle a few dry leaves among the plants, and tie them up as demand requires. Give plenty of air in sunshine or mild weather. They require protection only from heavy rains and severe frosts. Observe. The leaves must not be tied up when they are in a frozen state. They may also be blanched by covering them with a pot of any description, which is often used as a precautionary method in winter. Fennel anethum feniculum Aneth, French dillkraut German is a native of Europe and may be seen growing wild on the banks of rivers and near the sea coasts. It is an indispensable ingredient in French cookery, and extensively used by the English, but comparatively in little demand with us. Its tender stalks are used in soups and fish sauces, also as garnishes for dishes. It is conspicuous as a medicinal plant, and admitted into the Materia Medica. Its virtues are stomachic and carminative. Culture Fennel is cultivated by sowing the seeds early in spring, in shallow drills half an inch deep and ten inches wide covering with fine earth. They should be sown where they are intended to grow. Thin out the plants to four inches apart. A dozen of good roots will supply any family, and when once established, there is little fear of losing it, being a perennial and will last many years. Seedlings will also come up plentifully around the old plants, though it is not advisable to allow the plants to go to seed, unless it is wanted for use. If the flower stems are cut off as soon as they appear, it will encourage a production of young leaves below. GARLIC lilium sativum ail, French, Knobloch, German The term garlic is given to this vegetable on account of its powerful and penetrating scent. It is a native of many parts of the world and has been in general use for two centuries. Many very excellent and medicinal qualities are attributed to this root and it would no doubt be more generally used if it were not for its unpleasant odor. The French use it in sauces and salads. Culture. There are two varieties cultivated, under the name of large and small. As either of them is large enough for any purpose, one variety only is necessary. The root is bulb, divided into parts called pseudobulbs or cloves. It is propagated by planting these cloves in drills two inches deep, six inches apart, and four inches from plant to plant, early in spring, on light, rich ground. It requires to be frequently hoed and kept free from weeds. About the end of July, the bulbs are generally full-grown, which will be evident from the yellow appearance and withering of the leaves. They must then be taken up, cleaned and dried, and afterwards tied in bundles to be hung up in a shed or room and preserved for use. Horseradish Cachcana amordicia, Cranson French, Mer etique German. Horseradish is a native of Europe, growing in deep soil and marshy places. It has been long cultivated in our garden either for medicine, salads, or sauces. The root, scraped into shreds or grated fine and soaked in vinegar, is a well-known accompaniment to roast beef. Its medicinal effects are to stimulate the glands to activity, and on account of its warm nature it is good in numerous cases arising from cold and viscid juices. The root, when fresh grated, assists digestion. It may therefore be properly employed as a condiment at the table. It is also considered of great service in rheumatic cases, and on the first appearance of scurvy. Culture. In a commercial point of view, it has become of late extensively cultivated— Acres are yearly planted and allowed to grow two or three years. When it is lifted and sold by weight to pickle manufacturers who grind it up and pack it in jars with vinegar for home use and exportation, it grows best in deep rich soil, inclining to moisture, on low ground or contiguous to water. It is propagated by the tops or crowns or any part of the root cut into pieces two inches long will grow. When a convenient spot of ground is chosen, take out an opening at one end 15 inches deep in the common way of trenching, and two feet wide. Plant therein two rows, one foot apart, and nine inches from plant to plant. Put over them from the next trench 15 inches of soil, and so continuing till the whole is finished. Another method of planting is readily done by trenching the ground as above and leveling and raking it properly. Then take a dibber fifteen inches long, and of sufficient thickness to allow the sets to drop into the bottom of the holes so made, and fill up the holes with fine earth. This method makes a very clean and handsome root. To make the most of every part of the garden, some light and quick crop may be sown on the ground early in spring after being planted, such as spinach, radish, lettuce, etc., which will be off in time not to injure the roots. As spring has its multitude of operations, we recommend the horseradish to be planted in November. When the roots are required for use, open a trench on one side of the row, then clear the plants down to the roots from whence they spring, and cut them off, leaving a small portion to form another plant the following season, though it is decidedly preferable to make a new plantation every two years, as when the roots become old they have a hard, bitter taste. BEFORE THE WINTER SETS IN, THERE SHOULD BE A SUFFICIENT SUPPLY LIFTED FOR USE, AND STORED IN THE ROOT CELLAR IN MOIST EARTH. IF THEY ARE ALLOWED TO BECOME DRY, THEY LOSE THEIR SPRIGHTLY FLAVOR. INDIAN CORN ZEA MAIS MAIS, FRENCH THIS VEGETABLE IS UNIVERSALLY CULTIVATED FOR THE TABLE THROUGHOUT THE UNITED STATES. ITS VARIETIES ARE NUMEROUS AND YEARLY INCREASING. Those particularly adapted for the table have been greatly improved the past few years. It is an indispensable dish for both the rich and the poor in its season. By a knowledge of its culture and attention to repeated sowings, it may be had from June to November. The following three varieties are the best for the purpose. Extra early. This is the earliest variety. Grains large and pure white. Cob small. Ears short. If planted from the fifteenth to the twenty fifth of April, it will be ready about the same days in June, but when planted about the fifteenth of May, it will be ready about the first of July, if the weather is favorable. Fine flavored. Adams. Early. Very similar to the above, but a few days later. Grains not so full, though equally as fine flavored. Sweet or sugar. There are two varieties of this. The one that has eight rows of grains on the cob is the best. It remains some time in a milky state and therefore the same sowing is fit for the table a longer period. The grains of the sugar corn when in a dry state are small and shrivelled and are consequently easily distinguished. Culture. The ground must be in good condition; if not, make it so or put a shovel-full of decayed manure or rich compost into each hill. Plant in hills 3 feet apart, 5 or 6 grains in each. When up, allow three only to stand for a crop. Hoe deep and frequently, drawing some earth to the stalks when about a foot high. If they incline to sucker or make side shoots, break them off. Plant every two weeks till August. This crop can be used to fill up all vacancies in the ground and to follow other crops as they come off in June and July. Indian Crest or Nasturtium Trapaulum magus capudne French, capuzineblume German. The botanic name is derived from a Latin word signifying a warlike trophy. This idea might have originated with botanists from its shield-like leaves and its brilliant golden helmet-shaped flowers, pierced and stained with blood. It is a native of Peru and Chile, where there are many curious and fanciful varieties though none so beautiful as the common nasturtium that has been cultivated for nearly three hundred years. Its gay colors enliven the gardens of the rich and the poor. The flowers and leaves have a sharp and warm taste, like garden or curled cress, and are frequently used in salads. The seeds, when gathered young and green on a dry day, and pickled in vinegar, form an excellent substitute for capers, and indeed are preferable. It is properly treated as an annual plant, and grown for the benefit of its seed, flowers, and foliage, as well as for ornament. Sow the seed thinly, in rows or patches, an inch deep about the end of March or 1st of April. It is not particular in regard to either soil or situation, they will thrive almost anywhere, if the ground is rich. The plants will run from 5 to 15 feet, and require stakes or trellis work to climb upon they are excellent for a blind to cover any disagreeable object there are several varieties of yellow golden or crimson color the yellow stands the severity of the sun better than the crimson jerusalem artichoke helianthus tuberosus poire de terre french apfel german the tuberous rooted sunflower as the name implies is a native of South America, and has been cultivated for two centuries. Like many other new vegetables, when first introduced, it was extolled extravagantly. It was baked in pies with dates, ginger, raisins, etc., and of course amalgamated with such good things that it could not taste indifferently. When boiled in the simple way of potatoes, however, they will not form a very palatable dish. The modern way of serving them up is to boil them till they become tender, when, After being peeled and stewed with butter and wine, they are considered pleasant, and taste similar to the true artichoke. They are not so good as potatoes, but as a crop for feeding hogs or cattle, they are more productive. Culture. They are propagated and planted in the same manner as the potato, any time in March, and will grow in any soil, even under trees. They are best fresh-planted every year, and require good, light ground. The stems grow to eight or ten feet high, and have the appearance of the sunflower. They are in use from October to April. Any time in November, a quantity may be lifted and packed away in sand or earth for winter use, or cover the ground with rough litter to keep out severe frost, and they can be lifted as required. The frost does not injure the tubers. End of section 6 Recording by Kalinda in Lüneburg, Germany on March 23, 2009.